You're listening to a Budapest Beacon podcast. My name is Ben Novak. Joining me in the studio today, Miss Lily Beyer. Lily, thanks for coming by. It's good to be here. Lily, with just months to go before the 2018 national elections, leading government officials are starting to see themselves as medieval crusaders. This is new. We haven't seen anything like this in the past. We are fighting against migrants, refugees, Muslims, Freemasons, Bolsheviks, Jacobins, Soros, NGOs, Brussels, Satan... And we are talking about the apocalyptic visions and prophecies bestowed upon three young Portuguese shepherds by the Virgin Mary. What is going on? You're right, Ben. What we're seeing is completely new. For the past few years, the Hungarian government has increasingly been promoting the idea that Hungary is a defender of Christian identity, and in particular that this government is the only one that can uh, keep Hungary as a Christian nation. But what we've seen over the past week is this notion taken to a whole new level. First on Sunday, Deputy Prime Minister Joel Chemian went on Kossuth Radio, a major radio station here in Hungary, and said that the roots of the migration crisis are actually in Freemasonry. He went on to talk about Bolsheviks and Jacobins and yeah, all the I'm way just to stop, Lily, I'm just going to stop you here because nobody listening to this podcast is going to believe a word you're saying right now. We literally have to play the clip. We have to play the clip of him talking. So let's let's gear up here. What we're going to do is we're going to play uh, segments of what he said. We're going to play, play a few seconds and then I'll do a an impromptu translation here so you guys can all understand what we're talking about. So let's 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 play the clips. Look, you have to understand the following. Why do we have this migration? Fundamentally, the root cause of this is that hundreds of years ago, it started on the inspiration of the Freemasons, which then later had a Jacobin version and a Bolshevik version. And today, one of its many branches is this Soros type of extreme liberal thing. Which from its heart loads Christian traditions, Christian Europe's traditions and civilization, and if possible even more, it hates the existence of nations and nation states. Ők ezt meg akarják szüntetni, és egy Európai Egyesült Államokat akarnak létrehozni, amit Brüsszelből egy személytelen, elszámoltathatatlan és a népel minél távolabbi viszonyban lévő bürokrácia irányít. They want nations to vanish, and they want to create a United States of Europe, which would be controlled from Brussels by a faceless, unaccountable bureaucracy that is as far as possible from the people. Különböző NGO-knak átnyomják a hatalmi döntési pozíciókat. They would hand over positions of power to certain NGOs. Ők úgy hisznek ebbe az Európai Egyesült Államokban, mint minden problémának a megoldásában, mint a kommunisták hittek a kommunizmusban. They believe in this United States of Europe as though it would solve all the problems, just as the communists believe. In communism. So that was Jolt Shemian, Deputy Prime Minister of Hungary, speaking on Sunday on state-run radio, Kossuth Radio. What happened on Monday, Lily? On Monday, Andras Aratsky, state secretary and member of the Christian Democrats, which is aligned with Fidesz, but in reality a part of the ruling Fidesz party, gave a speech in parliament titled The Christian Duty to Fight Against Satan Slash Source Plan. 
he started by talking about the three secrets of Fatima and Satan's greatest and final attack against the church. And he went on to say specifically, the Soros mercenaries do not cite the Holy Father's thoughts on this. We see the great European attacks against families in which Soros and his comrades want to destroy the independence and values of nation states for the purpose of watering down the Christian spirit of Europe with the forced settlement of tens of millions of migrants. But the fight against Satan is a Christian duty. Yes, I speak of an attack by Satan, who is also the angel of denial. He goes on to talk about the defense of Europe and how, quote, the rosary is the strongest weapon against evil and it is capable of changing history. George Soros will also experience this. Wow. Wow. And that was only Monday. What else happened this week, Lily? So on Thursday, Prime Minister Viktor Orban gave a speech to the International Consultation on Christian Persecution, which was a conference organized by the Hungarian government. They had Christian leaders attending from all over the world, including an EU representative for religious freedom and some representatives of Christian communities in the Middle East. And what Prime Minister Orban said was that, quote, Today I do not want to talk about the persecution of Christians in Europe. The persecution of Christians in Europe operates with sophisticated and refined methods of an intellectual nature. It is undoubtedly unfair, it is discriminatory, and sometimes it is even painful. So in these very first sentences of his speech, we see direct echoes of what we saw earlier in the week, more directly from Deputy Prime Minister Shemian and from the State Secretary, in that all of these three leaders are saying that European Christians are under threat. Now, most of Orban's speech focused on what the Hungarian government in theory is trying to do for persecuted Christians in the Middle East and in Nigeria. But again and again throughout the speech, he kept coming back to this notion that Christians are under threat in Europe and in Hungary and that the Hungarian government is a leader in the region in defending Christianity. He says, we Hungarians are essentially European people. There aren't many of us. Um, he goes on to emphasize that, quote, Europe is a Christian continent, and this is how we want to keep it. Even though we may not be able to keep all of it Christian, at least we can do so for the segment that God has entrusted to the Hungarian people. What's fascinating about Orban's rhetoric lately is that he's using this idea of defending Hungarian Christianity to avoid having to show any Christian solidarity toward refugees, because that's what this is all about, isn't it? Hungary is a Christian nation. It has a Christian identity. Refugees are not of our ethnicity. They are not of our culture. They bring terrorism. And showing any solidarity toward them, that is, providing them with refuge, would ultimately result in the destruction of Hungary's Christian identity and, by extension, Europe's Christian identity. And so, according to Orban's logic, this is why Europe needs a strong Christian leader to defend against the de-Christianization of the continent and to protect Europe from the destruction of European Christian nation-states. To me, this really sounds like an overly complex position to take for the purpose of avoiding the responsibility to provide refugee for those fleeing war. At the same time, it bolsters this notion that Hungary is indeed at war, fighting against all kinds of enemies who seek to strip it of its Christian identity and ultimately its safety. That's right. And what we have to keep in mind is that with a few months until the election, Orban is very worried about turnout. He knows that his opposition is divided, but he's also concerned that some of his voters will simply stay at home. He needs something to motivate them to come out and vote. And perhaps he believes that this fear 
fear of the future, uh, fear for um, their safety uh, will motivate people to come. And all of this is happening against the backdrop of a struggle between Brussels and the government here in Hungary. This struggle has multiple layers. First of all, the refugee crisis and the future of asylum policy here in Hungary. Hungary is not complying with the refugee quota scheme. And there are also arguments over the treatment of refugees who are already here in Hungary and at the transit zone along the border. Then there is the law on foreign-funded NGOs, which many in Brussels believe is not in compliance with European regulations and values. And hovering over everyone's heads is the threat of Article 7 and the belief among a growing number of policymakers in Brussels that Hungary's government is simply not respecting the rule of law. So, Lily, it's pretty obvious that there are a lot of moving parts to the Hungarian government's decision to present itself as the defender of Christianity. So let's address Hungarian Christianity. First of all, let's not forget about the European Court of Human Rights 2014 ruling, which found that the so-called Church Law of 2011, which came into force in 2012, violates the European Convention on Human Rights. This law was adopted by the ruling Fidesz-KDMP coalition, and it stripped a bunch of churches of their state recognition. To this day, the Hungarian government has not rectified the situation. But let's also address a recent Pew survey that looked at religious attitudes in the region. So Lily, tell me, what were the findings of this survey? This was a study that was published in May 2017, though most of the actual polling was done in mid-2015 and 2016. And interestingly, in Hungary, what the Pew researchers found was that only 9% of Hungarians say that they attend religious services on a weekly basis, while 64% actually told the pollsters that they seldom or never attend religious services. Interestingly, um, only 16% of Hungarians said that they pray on a daily basis. However, 59% said that they do believe in God. And what this tells us is that although some Hungarians are spiritual in their own way, very few of them actually participate on a regular basis in organized religious activity. So there you have it. That's what happened in Hungary this week. We could do an entire series on this government's relationship with Hungarian churches, but we'll have to save that for another time. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.